Hello and welcome to more Kingston Smith's Business Doctor podcast. Our theme today is how intelligent businesses use business intelligence or BI. Now, following the pandemic, the importance of leveraging data has been even more crucial. Businesses have moved to remote working. It's forced significant shifts in how businesses conduct their day-to-day operations, interact with their suppliers, their customers, and critically, how their employees work. However, access to good data isn't enough to guarantee good decisions. Many organisations are still failing to get the most out of their data. Data-driven decision-making needs a holistic approach. From how to build an organisational culture centred on data literacy to an infrastructure that can handle the amount of data collected, stored and analysed, today's podcast takes a deep dive into vital business trends. So I'm pleased to say that joining me today is John Dawson, a partner in both the general practice and outsourcing teams at Morkings and Smith, and also a member of the digital transformation team in the technology strategy group. So John, welcome. Thank you, Claire. Good to be here. I'm also a former business doctor myself as well. So I was uh, one of the authors that contributed to the Sunday Times business doctor column for about four or five years. Yep, following in good footsteps, that's for sure. (laughs) So turning back to business intelligence, IBM describes BI as an umbrella term for the technology that enables data preparation, mining, management and visualisation. So John, what what would you say that business intelligence means to you and your clients? Well, I, I think IBM cover it pretty well, actually. I think we should also consider the processes that go into the flow of data That's also an important step and how data flows through an organization, how it's stored. Um, I think we we tend to focus a lot on the visualization and the end result because that really gives us the actionable insights that that can be used for good, uh, good informed decision making within an organization. And, And then coming from that, I guess, is, you know, what is the good management information that's going to come out of that data? You know, we talk to our clients all the time about, you know, the use of the data that they have in their own organisations to drive their business forward. But, you know, you do see some um, differences in the way businesses approach data and the use of data. You absolutely do. And I think, you know, for me, there are there are four key stages of data and how it's used. Um, I think lots of businesses don't use data at all. I think they rely on perception for how they make their decisions. And in some cases, you know, that that just works for the business owners. There's no point flooding people with too much data and too much information if it's not going to be used used appropriately. Um, But then the three main stages of management information that we do see are broken down into data, which is pretty much raw data. Um, It could be something like a a simple set of accounts, you know, that that's data that's uh, that gives you a broad understanding of what's happened, but it doesn't really drill down into the next phase, which is more about information. So management information can show key trends, it can show key performance indicators, KPIs, which we hear lots about, and it can also show things like profitability analysis. And then the final stage is insight. So we, we mentioned it before, we mentioned insight when we were thinking about the overall term for 
business intelligence. Insight really gives us the, uh, the, the strategy, the current state of an organization. It tells us what to prioritize. It tells us what to implement next. That really is the, the, the pinnacle of what we're trying to achieve with really good management information. Since the pandemic started a couple of years ago, there's been a significant emphasis on cash for businesses. Some have borrowed heavily, others have deferred payments where it's been possible. In addition to that, currently, with rising inflation, impacting businesses controlling their costs, we've got star shortages, which of course is driving up wage bills. So managing cash outflow is a real issue for some businesses. So John, what are your thoughts? Are businesses still tending to focus on that historical data reporting rather than perhaps board planning? Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think accountants also drive that level of thinking because a, a, a large part of, of the profession is about pulling together information about what's happened in the past. You know, we have our statutory accounting reporting, which, um, which looks at what's happened over a period of time. You know, what we really should be doing is looking at what's happening in the business right now and what's happening, what's going to happen in the future. Now, it's really difficult, obviously, to predict the future. Nobody, nobody's quite cracked that one. But I think if you, if you really drill down into to what you know about your business, you can identify the, known, the knowns about the, the future, and you can also identify the uncertainties. And if you yeah. look ahead in your, your forecasting, your cash flow planning, you can at least look ahead for a couple of months, which is vital for any business. Yeah. I mean, on that theme, a client of mine recently um, got in touch, very much in its startup phase, um, but, you know, looking to grow um, quickly. They've been very keen to understand how and when they can make important investment decisions, particularly when they're looking at recruiting new members to its team. You know, they wanted to know when they could, afford to recruit and then how long it was going to take them before any payback was achieved and we certainly um, were able to help our client build a model that linked up with their accounting platform and gave them kind of the answers that they were looking for you know the model's updated automatically on a monthly basis so you know the time input is um, relatively small um, and the cost also uh, you know it's been very simple to, to to pull that together. I think, you know, you can go into many different layers of uh, forecasting and cash flow planning. I think everybody should at least have something basic. You know, you start with a blank piece of paper. You can map out what you think is going to happen to your cash, the cash that you have, the money that you're due in, the money that you've committed to spend. That's a very basic level. Um, It's a starter. And then you can build out a model from there using assumptions that really match what you're trying to achieve in your business. Every business is going to have different assumptions, but I think starting to think about what they are, what can change, what you can do, what difference can you make that's going to have an impact on cash. And what we're trying to achieve, obviously, is to to generate more cash in the business going forward. But it also helps us manage things like our um, banking overdraft facilities. Do we need to go off and raise more finance? Do we need to seek more investment? Do we need to look at bringing debt into a business? And without that kind of really thorough 
planning, it's impossible to know when's the right time in, to do that because you also need a lead time. You know, you need a lead time if you want to go off and, uh, and raise debt into your business. It doesn't just happen immediately. Yeah. And, uh, you know, nothing sits still, does it? Um, you know, as a business grows, um, the KPIs are going to differ, certainly. Um, and if the KPIs are differing, you know, it's likely driven from their, their objectives, as you were talking about earlier. So data sources and reporting is going to change. I mean, how should businesses also react to changes um, in external data sources that is definitely going to impact upon their decision making? I think this really comes down to a mix of financial and non-financial information. So when we when we see um, management information packs, often it's focused on the financial performance of that business. And often it's looking at what's already happened. I think once you start to build out a really good MI pack, management information pack, you end up bringing in those other sources of information. You know, we want to know what's happening in the industry. We want to know what our key competitors are doing. We want to know how kind of any regulatory changes and how they might impact on the business. You know, you mentioned inflation before. Now, inflation um, currently is running at a, a high rate. That has an impact on uh, our overheads within the business. It has an impact on things like salary levels. So being able to factor that external data into, into what, we, what we look at in the future and what we expect to happen in the future is really important. But I think the other thing to just counter the argument is you don't want to have too much data that you end up spending all your time sifting through it and trying to draw conclusions. You know, it needs to be the right level of data mm. Because, you know, it can be too much white noise otherwise, which which is a distraction for a business owner. Great point, John. And, you know, in terms of my own clients, one of my, you know, it's a, it's a law firm um, that came to me. Their monthly management pack was huge. You know, they've got a, a vast amount of information and data available to them, as you can imagine. But pulling that together in a monthly pack and sending that out to their partner group was just you know, it was just overload. Nobody was reading it. Nobody was um, taking it on board and all of the key messages were actually lost. So we worked with them to develop a pack that was far more visual and focused on, you know, the key performance indicators that would help them really drive their strategy forward. I think that's something that we, we see a lot within the profession. You know, we see an emphasis really on pulling together pages of numbers. You know, what, what different management levels within an organisation need to see is, is kind of the commentary, what, you know, an explanation of why something's happened. You know, it's really separating out so they can perform their specific role, the information that they need to see. And I think, you know, using your law firm example, what, uh, what you will find is that different people within that particular firm will need to see different levels of information, and different types of information. It's not a kind of one size fits all. Now, in an ideal world, you know, we want to really condense it down into that kind of one page of key information that that person needs to see. 
and it's going to be different. You know, a CEO is going to have different information needs to uh, someone who's sat on the board or someone who's a line manager within an organisation. Yeah, t- totally agree with that. And, and you're right. It's the commentary around the data that is key and actually being able to challenge individuals on the data as well. It's those, it, it, you know, it's the effectiveness of those of those challenging discussions that can really help business interpret the data that's being given to them. Absolutely. And, and it's giving people ownership for their part of the business and ownership for their data as well. Yeah, totally. Because it's not all about the accountants and the finance team, is it? We know it that, isn't. you know, data is not just financial. It can be non-financial too. It isn't. And I think I think accountants are very guilty of, uh, of focusing too much on numbers and not enough on the explanations to go with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, have you got an example where perhaps we've helped a client not purely, you know, extract financial information, but non-financial information that's helped them, you know, make key business decisions? Absolutely. I mean, um, this is this is an area that we work with a lot of our clients on uh, because you know a business is a is is more than just the sum of the the accounting numbers you know there's so many different areas to it so we would typically start with looking at four key areas so we look at clients we look at client data we want to know about pipeline information we want to know about the uh, conversion rates for pipeline so we can then map out the likelihood of future revenue and when that's going to hit. Uh, The second area we look at is people. People within an organization are absolutely vital. So we need to know what the the current capacities are. We need to know what the engagement levels are within a team. We want to know, are we recruiting enough people? What's our recruitment rate? Are we successful? How much time are we spending on recruitment? Then if we focus on operations and delivery, you know, have we got workflows in place telling us whether or not we're meeting all our delivery requirements on our projects? Um, how can that feed into the key management to know whether or not you know, things are running smoothly, where the problems are, where the fires are? And then the fourth area that we look at is finance. So finance you know, is, is an area that we know well as accountants, Um, But typically we'd be looking at revenue profitability. Now, this is a a kind of overall framework that we that we apply to our clients. But it might be that we drill down to different levels for different people within that organization as well. Um, But one example of a of a dashboard that we've implemented recently uh, was for a high net worth individual. And we also mapped in the number of days that that person spends in certain locations because that's really important from a tax planning point of view and tax residency uh, we need to make sure we're not triggering multiple tax residencies so having the the financial data alongside that information is absolutely vital to helping them manage their their business and uh, and also their life really now a term we hear a lot of john is um digital transformation you know, it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And maybe it is a little overused, you know, combining that with, you know, um, talk around AI, it can leave decision makers thinking this is all a bit complex, but, but clearly it's not necessarily so. 
It isn't. And I, th- I think uh, I would agree. I think it is a, a very overused term. And I think applying a, a simple technology solution to a, to a problem um, is, is often deemed to be digital transformation. Now, what I would say about digital transformation is that you have to approach it with a very open mind. You don't want to, um, you don't want to enter into a, a digital transformation project with a pre- preconceived outcome. You don't want to know what the answer is because otherwise that sways you in, in how you approach the, the challenges and the problems. You've really got to go in, understand the, the current operating environment, the current processes in place, the systems in place, and then map that into to what you're trying to achieve. And it's only really at the end that you might apply a particular technology solution once you've identified you know, what, the, what the, the best options are for that organization. Which is interesting, isn't it? Because I wonder, you know, I can expect a number of businesses will have that as their starting point. Let's identify the technology that's out there and try and sort out our systems as a, you know, using that technology. Uh, yeah, I mean, we see that all the time. And, uh, you know, we see different softwares approaching businesses with a solution and then almost trying to create a problem in order to, to plug the solution in, uh, which is which is something we we try to avoid. Um, I mean, I understand exactly why it happens within within the uh, the finance sector, um, and you know there are lots of good software solutions out there, but it's something that that should really come at the end of the process, not the starting point. So, as a as a business, John, we're advising our clients on digital transformation and business intelligence, um, you know, on a regular basis? How do we make sure that we keep ourselves up to date with the level of um, technical capability that's out there? Well, I think, you know, if we look at software, there's so many different software options competing to, to do similar things. It's almost a full-time job keeping on top of some core systems and and what might be appropriate for our clients. And we do, you know, we invest a huge amount of time. We sit on some of the advisory boards with the main uh, global software players in the accountancy market. And we're constantly looking at new entrants into, into this market and how they might provide solutions that can help our clients. So it's never, it's literally never ending. And, you know, once you implement software, there are constant updates and product updates and new features that get released. So it's not a, a, an exercise that you do once. It's, it's something that you have to be continually on top of and then feeding that back into to different clients where they're going to benefit from something new. Yeah. And if we're looking at any um, element of change, you know, it's vital that we get our people on board, isn't it, to help us? with that change? I think change transformation within any, within any transformation project has to have the, the people, the team at the heart of it. I think it tends to go wrong when you try and impose change on a team without consultation, without open consultation. And certainly the, the times when we see the most success are when 
the team are an integral part of the, the overall project. So they're not just consulted on, on the output, they're feeding in, they're, they're building the solution alongside um, the owners of the project as well. So, so they're a part of it. They're, yeah. they're driving change, they're building it as part of the team. And then the adoption rates tend to be far higher and far more successful. Yeah, absolutely. So businesses, John, they've got a huge amount of data these days, you know, and all we hear about is cyber risk. How do businesses keep their data safe and secure? I think the starting point for keeping data secure is to at least understand and document the systems that you're using. And from there, you can go on to look at the vulnerabilities that might exist within those systems. You know, so many systems nowadays are cloud-based, which gives us the, the exposure to the web, and the, the cyber threat that we see there. But then, you know, the cyber threats can come from, come from any, anywhere. Um, you know, often it's you know, people's passwords being used or, um, you know, being interpreted and guessed. Um, and then the other, the other element of data security that is often overlooked are the kind of either errors that happen intentionally or deliberately um, from someone within an organization. So it's really important to, to have access to your key data to, to maintain backups of it. And, um, and the key systems that you use within your organization, you do need some kind of disaster recovery plan as well. So, John, we haven't really covered the kind of real-time information piece and how an organisation will use its data via a dashboard throughout the organisation. Now, that is an area, Claire, which is um, open to a lot of debate. I mean, what what really is real-time? Is it doing something on a daily basis? Is it minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour? And I think it really comes down to the the business itself, the organization, and how important that is for them to make decisions. And if you drill down into different areas within a business, you have have people being responsible for different parts of that business. So, you know, for instance, in a manufacturing situation, someone operating a production line, you know, minute by minute could be really vital to the output that they're able to achieve. Whereas on a financial level for that same business, you know, do you need to know how, how the revenue is changing minute by minute? Probably not. You know, it's, it's, it's about the different needs of the organization. Um, but what that allows us to do is to build different sets of information for the, for the different managers that sit within it. Thanks, John. It's been a great discussion today. To sum up, what key things should our listeners be taking away from today's topic of business intelligence? I think the first thing is to have a clear understanding of what your business objectives are, what your strategy is, because without that as a, as a starting point, it's really difficult to then know what data you need to gather and, and what data you need to track and monitor and use in order to, to meet what you're trying to do within your business. I think once you've identified that, I think looking at the different types of data that you currently collect or that you could collect within your organization would be my next step. 
And then alongside that, really, it's having the mindset for what you are going to do with the, the data and the information. Are you actually going to use it? Are you going to use it to drive those decision, those um, the good decision making, the proactive decision making that you need to do? Now, I would obviously advocate that you should be doing that, but um, but you know it really needs the the buy-in of you know your senior management team as well in order to do that. Otherwise, it's a wasted exercise. Yeah, and that's what we do with our finance three hundred and sixty approach. You know, we sit down with our clients and look at you know, various elements of their business, including um, their finance team, the systems they use, the efficiencies of those systems, um, the team that actually use the systems, their compliance and overall finance and business strategy. You know, and by doing so, it gives them a starting point to evaluate those impactful changes that the businesses can make in both the short and medium and long term. I'd like to say thank you to John and thank you for listening to this episode. You can learn more about today's topic, our Finance 360 and also previous episodes on the More Kingston Smith website and your preferred podcast platform. So until next time, thank you.